0: Hello and welcome to this edition of the Thinking Christianly podcast, sponsored by Global Scholars. I'm your host, Jordan Plank. Joining me are Dr. Stan Wallace and Dr. J.P. Moreland. So we find ourselves in the middle of the Advent season if you are listening to this podcast when it first comes out. And I thought it might be just an interesting time to stop and reflect on what this season and the christmas season has meant to both of you and also just expand expand the conversation a bit into um, the ways you celebrate with family the ways that you've thought about christmas over the years and some of the things that have really stuck out to you during that time so first i want to talk about this particular season now and what ways has god been revealing himself to you in this season specifically,
1: Stan. Well, one thing that I love about the season is uh, I think some of the 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 best Christian music are Christmas carols, and so often they they're a little more thoughtful. Often, uh, at least in the uh, the the circles I run in, and mm-hmm. uh, and and I just love. What I, uh, I either learn or I'm reminded of from them. In fact, my favorite is uh, is was written by John Wesley. Uh, it was uh, to the music written by Mendelssohn. Any idea which one it is? The ringing bells?
2: No.
0: Is no. it "O oh, Come, Let Us Adore Him"? No? no.
1: Close. Hark, the herald angels sing.
0: Oh, I mean, to listen, listen
1: to this. To so hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Wow. Mild he lays his glory by, born that men no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled, glory to the newborn king. I mean, Mm -hmm. there is just so much there. And it's just... Mm -hmm. It's, and, of course, the music's fabulous, and it just, for me, is uh, a season I look forward to, to sing those classic Christmas carols and remember all of the truths and implications of the Incarnation.
2: Mm, that's good. I think, for me, uh, this particular season, uh, and and where I'm at in my own journey as a, as a 75-year-old man, uh, is that if i had to pick one thing that's coming through to me uh and that has come through to me at other christmases but with real force this christmas is the is the st- stunning thought that that, that god is humble and if you just if you just step back for for a second and you look at some of the pictures of the galaxies that they've taken
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And the absolute magnitude of of the universe that we live in, and and the 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 kind of attributes God would have to have to to, to speak something like that into existence. I mean, you you just you're confronted with the fact that this is the largest, most attractive, most powerful, uh, most knowing being that could possibly exist now i mean i'll be honest if i were that sort of a being i i would just sort of take over i mean uh okay you guys are messing things up uh i'm gonna blow the whistle and i'm gonna come in with a and i'm gonna take over but the crazy thing is that he Hum, he stoops to the level of becoming one of us, and then he lives a life of humility, which does, does not, is not inconsistent with his with authority. But the people he hung with were not the movers and shakers. He spent two thirds of his public ministry uh, in the northern part of the Sea of Galilee, which is not where you'd want to go if you were going to pick. <laughs> people that are movers and shakers who had a fighting chance to change the world and he was born in in such humble means that it would be easy for people to miss the fact that he'd come it was hidden and all of that says something to me about me i you know i can accomplish Everything in the world for God, but if I am increasingly arrogant Mm, mm -hmm. and self-serving, doesn't mean I I can't, when people thank me or benefit from something, say a a talk or what have you, I always say thank you, because that's (laughs) encouraging. After Mm -hmm. all, we're to honor the elders who labor among us, and that means they're supposed to receive that honor and let it nourish their souls that they're doing a good job. Mm -hmm. That's (laughs) all common sense but when you start getting to where you have to read your press clippings every day to feel mm. good about yourself you're serving the wrong person mm. and uh the, inc- the the way jesus appeared just reinforces the sort of being god is and the sort of being he wants me to be mm-hmm. and i am i'm proud of jesus christ i mean it's just another reason why I am not ashamed of the gospel, and I'm proud to be a Jesus follower, because Marx, uh, you know, uh, Lenin, uh, no other world leader has, has ever come close to being the kind of individual Jesus Christ was, and he towers over others, and yet he was humble, and I'm I'm just proud to be identified with his name. Mm -hmm. Christmas reminds me of that. Well said. Yeah.
0: There's something so, so difficult to grasp about that messianic secret. Just, it's, it's fascinating to me that he wouldn't come with trumpets a blaring and Mm -hmm. praise the Lord. He will someday. But it's, yeah, it's just incredible that he came as a baby.
2: Well hmm. I think that there is if I may a huge may? a huge lesson that that actually applies to both the hiddenness of God and the fact that in the hundreds of millions of near death experiences cross culturally it is often the case that the Lord Jesus does not make his identity known clearly to the people that have these, uh, as he did not in the Old Testament many times when he appeared to people. Now, why is that? Well, the reason that God is is hidden in the sense that you can ignore him if you want to. Uh, you don't have to be overwhelmed by going out in the morning and, and getting your mail and having the Shekinah glory <laughs> where you can't get away from Him. Mm -hmm. I'm not suggesting that his existence is not evident and and clear. What I'm saying is that his presence is hidden. And what that means is that gives us an opportunity to choose to seek him as with these near-death experiences, because God doesn't reveal everything, but he reveals enough to where that should whet a person's appetite to want to seek and find God. Uh, and if they don't, that's on them. But the whole, it seems to me like the whole theme of the scriptures is that God is, seek, is, is attempting to gather a community of people that freely and voluntarily seek him. And if they seek him, they will find him and they will become a member of this community and, and on it goes. So the incarnation insofar as that it was sort of hidden and there's the messianic Mm -hmm. secret all throughout his public ministry is just another indication that he really didn't come to to download everything, but that he maintained enough of of the uh, hiddenness of the whole thing because he wanted people to seek, to seek him. And I think seeking him is both before we're believers and after to continue to seek Him is is critical this side of the of of heaven, and the intermediate state and and so seeking is a major theme in my opinion, uh, in in the scriptures and in the nature of the messianic secret and so on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: There is an amazing. It's one of my favorites. I've actually listened to it three or four times just this season. Talk that Dallas Willard gives called "God Wants to Be Seen." And we're going to link that in the show notes. It is a beautiful, about 30 minute long message that he gave at a Renovare conference in the late 1990s, I believe. Hmm. And it's a stunning, he does a a masterful job, as he always does, of going through and, and talking about the ways in which God reveals himself to us and what it means to become the kind of person who can stand it when he does reveal himself to us mm-hmm. and how that's the, the work of the Christian life is becoming the kind of person who could stand it. And mm. yeah, it's a really, I would highly encourage any listeners to, to check that out. We'll stick that in the show notes.
2: Well, there's mm-hmm. a follow-up to what you just said, which is profound about, about standing it. When, when Dallas was asked about why God allows people to go to hell his response was anybody who could stand heaven will be there mm-hmm. anybody mm-hmm. who could stand it and that meant there are some people who could not stand to be in the presence of God that that overtly and explicitly they they they, they couldn't take it and as a result, they don't belong there. And they will they will not only be banished because they don't belong, but they there there will be an ostracization because they're guilty of not learning to stand the very thing that was most important for them to learn to stand. But you know what an answer that kind of robs people of any counter-argument because mm-hmm. he says if anybody who could stand it. Anybody could stand it is going to be there. And I think that's actually true. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I've been having conversations with our daughter, who was Mary in the Nativity play at school. Mm. So she was was very, um, very curious and very into what that all meant. And there's some tricky conversations to have, because we have friends in very different um, faith traditions that would all call themselves followers of Jesus and they have very different beliefs about Mary's role, what she was like, what her what her role in the redemptive plan was. Um so it was interesting trying to answer those questions for a 7-year-old who is, you know, attempting to walk up on stage and pretend to be this person. And one of the things that stood out to me was that Mary could stand it. There was something about her that could stand being in the presence of God. And she got to be probably the first person to look at the face of God and call him by a name he gave us. And that's incredible.
2: It is. Mm -hmm.
0: That's incredible. And you know, for that reason, um, among others, but that, that reason, giving my daughter someone to look at and say, yeah, God chose her for a reason. And we might not know, a lot of the other stuff Mm -hmm. that that falls into the category of mystery and in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways. But that much we know is true that she loved God and enough that he would place her in such a central role. And I think that that's been top of mind as, as our Mary conversations have been
2: Mm -hmm. uh, pretty persistent. (laughs) Um, Jordan, could I ask Mm -hmm. a question that I'm wrestling with and I, I don't. I'm not leaning on an answer at this point, and I, I'd like to know if you guys have thoughts about it. And, and basically, it goes like this: I mean, I think as a Christian, we're seeing um, "Happy Holidays" replace "Merry Christmas," and uh, that's a part of the larger movement to secularize things. And uh, the secularization of Christmas is done gradually by starting with "Happy Holidays." Now, my question is as a Christian, I am struggling with what my attitude and approach to that should be. Because on the one hand, uh I, I believe unbelievers have a right to reject uh anything they they, they want to reject, and we they should not be forced to. Uh, do something that is uh, contrary to their will, unless it's in the natural law. And I, I mean, that's my own view. I, be- mm-hmm. I believe they're to be held to the natural law. Uh, so that makes me think that, you know what? If they want to secularize Christmas, the church is withstood being persecuted in the Colosseum. Surely we can take this. Uh, and we shouldn't. That, this is not a hill to die on. On the other hand, I, I, as an American, I'm, I'm, and I think this may be consistent with my faith. But I'm thinking, well, the, the historical facts are that Christians and and biblically informed deists were foundational to the precise nature of American government and the society that flowed from it for a hundred years. And it's a historical fact that certain things about the Bible and Jesus were important to Western democracies and our democracy. And so having a celebration Of of Martin Luther King, uh, where I I certainly think that that's a legitimate thing to do, even even for those people who don't like him, uh, who thought think he was an adulterer and he was a, a fraud and all the rest of it. Well, that's you know, so don't celebrate, but but we should celebrate King, not because we're forcing you to agree with everything he did, but because he played a major role. So similarly, I wonder if keeping it as Christmas would be uh, a way of honoring the historical facts that were important to our history. I don't know. I don't know how to think about this. Do you guys have a leaning on this or a way to think about it?
1: Yeah, I don't think I've got a very deep uh, set of reflections, but uh, but I have thought about, about it a little bit. Um, and I actually prefer to speak and i and i do in my email signature and when i'm speaking and leaving someone i actually uh find that christmas has already become so secularized that even the term christmas itself doesn't have much content i'm not sure most people outside of the christian tradition uh imbue it with a sense of god made man and all the other things that we know Uh, the initial Christ mass was affirming and, 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 and part of the the focus. Uh, So I actually uh, find a different word helpful. And sometimes it it leads to other conversations because it raises the question, what do you mean? And I often will say Advent blessings. Oh, wow. Uh, Both words are important. It is the ultimate blessing, God becoming one of us. And Advent calls out the the coming or or his appearing and a season, not a day or a mass, focusing on Christ, Christ mass, but a season where we stop and await his coming. And then there is the coming. Uh and and so there's just so much more to it. Uh, and most people aren't familiar with the, the church calendar, so it doesn't uh you know have any baggage for most people, not all, but most. And so it opens some conversations. Wow, I like that. Yeah,
2: Mm -hmm. that's that's helpful to me.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Anything else, or Jordan? Do you have any thoughts about this?
0: You know, we have tried, we have tried to really intentionally embrace Advent, Um, and you know, we have Advent, uh, you know, week markers, and not. I think the thing that a lot of people think it is is a countdown. You know, we have Advent calendars. for us, we have the candles in our home that we light every Sunday of Advent and really focusing on the waiting. And that that has shifted our perspective. And even we, um, we think of the Advent season as a time when we decorate a little bit at a time. So we'll do the Christmas tree, but then we'll do the window decorations and ease into it so that by the time we get to Christmastide or those 12 days of Christmas, we celebrate. And not just on one day, but for as many days, I mean, you can't very well take off that many days of work generally. Epiphany is not one that they throw in there with your uh, time -hmm. off package. But as much as we can, we try to extend the Christmas season to not just be a one and done kind of quickly over day. Cause so often I cannot believe how many people I know who will either put away Christmas decorations on Christmas, like that evening, if they celebrate in the morning, they'll put them away that evening or the day after. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That just blows my mind. Mm I, um, I think that's, that's so sad. But by the time we've done all that stuff and the, by gosh, by golly, the tinsel and the holly. It's just a lot. We're kind of we're kind of over it. So I think for us, it is a practice of pacing ourselves and doing that with friends and family. So, you know, when we're talking about the general public and holidays, uh, happy holidays versus Merry Christmas or Happy Christmas, depending on where you're from. Um, the way that we most shape that is in our particular context. So we try to invite people into our Advent celebration, whether that's St. Lucy's Day or um celebrating actual St. Nicholas, um kind of finding ways to celebrate in between that Christians have been celebrating for a long time mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily commercialized so much. Mm-hmm.
1: And you said something I want to pick up on because you talked about this this Advent season of waiting. And it certainly is and 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 you implied this i'm just going to make it explicit you're mm-hmm. waiting with a certain expectancy so it's a it's yes. an excited waiting it's hey something is just around the corner and it is worth being excited about and 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 waiting for and anticipating and that leads when i will use this language and we start talking about what is advent it's this this sense of this is the promise that goes back eons that God made to send his redeemer. And so it's much more than, again, this one day celebration, uh, which is important, but it's a whole posture that looks back and it looks forward that this season captures.
0: Mm -hmm. And I have a really practical tip for that. And Mm. it is, have you guys ever watched the movie, The Prince of Egypt? Do you remember this when this came out?
2: No, no. Mm-mm. Oh
0: my goodness. Okay. I don't,
2: bl- I don't believe in that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Anti-movies. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right.
0: Movies. Our letdikes on the uh, oh, zoom call right. here. There uh-huh, you go. Uh-huh. Um so The Prince of Egypt is an animated children's movie that is shockingly good for the record. Okay. It is shockingly well done. And it is the story dramatized, of course of Moses and the Israelites and even the plagues. And it is beautifully done. And the first song, the opening song is called Deliver Us. And it's, it's a really, I, I could talk about this movie all day. We'll put it in the show notes. Some of you have heard of it. Some of you haven't. It's worth checking out, but engaging in that story instead of, you know, there are about a thousand nativity movies or about, you know, how many Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and all those things, but intentionally engaging in stories as a family that engage, kind of show, show through the past and what these people were waiting for and how long they were waiting. Um, mm-hmm. But specifically, watching the Prince of Egypt and remembering remembering how long that must have been.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: We will return to the show in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsor. Do you have a child, relative, or friend preparing for or attending college? What they need most are Christian professors who can help them learn to love God with their hearts and minds during these impressionable years. Global Scholars equips Christian professors to be there for them and walk with them during their years in college please visit www.global-scholars.org to learn how you can help equip Christian professors to show Christ's love on a campus near you and around the world. Please also check out Stan's other podcast, College Faith. While this podcast is focused on the ideas prevalent in our culture, including our universities, the College Faith podcast is more focused on the practical issues of thriving in college as a Christian. Students, as well as parents of students, and soon-to-be students, will enjoy hearing from the guests Stan has on the show. Visit collegefaith.net or download episodes on your favorite podcast platform. And now, back to Thinking Christianly.
2: Well, this has been, a, in my opinion, a tremendous uh, spin off of the general conversation by focusing on the Advent. And a lot has been said that I think is is probably refreshing to a lot of people. Uh, I don't want to dominate the discussion, but I would like to take it back to my original question because one sure. way to answer the question is to say I, I think that we should refocus on Advent, and I think that's a legitimate response. But but I'm wondering what you think about this: Should Christians push back against? the replacement of holiday for Merry Christmas by say, getting on talk radio shows or writing letters to the letters to the editor uh, of their local newspaper, uh, and saying this is not appropriate, uh, blah 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 blah. Should we uh, say Merry Christmas to people in the stores and shopping malls? Now, now, um, Stan is given a reason to say, uh, something that might, uh, about, you know, Advent blessings or something uh, that would, would be more effective in, in, in an engendering conversation, and I'm not denying that, but do you think those are things Christians should be concerned enough about to be glad to either for them to do it or be glad other people are doing it? I don't know what I think about that particular issue. So mm-hmm. do you two have a thought about that specific kind of thing?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm not opposed at all to continuing to use Merry Christmas and to um, encourage others, even, um, you know, to, 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 to wonder with somebody, somebody says happy holidays and, you know, to, to wonder, uh, that's interesting that you said that and not Merry Christmas. I wonder, you know, what's under that it could lead to conversations. I guess I'm not, I'm seeing so many issues that we ought to address that seem more mm-hmm. more central. I could be wrong on this, but they seem more central to me. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, like the 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 book I'm working on, you're giving me input on on, you know, our or do we have a soul? I mean, that just so that seems more central, or just or even the deity of Christ, as mm-hmm. it's often under attack this time of year and at Easter mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. Jesus is a little more in the public eye. It seems those are more central things with our limited time and resource and, and our limited cultural capital to press yeah. into. Okay. That, you know, that, that, that worries me that.
2: Yes. That makes but sense. But again,
1: I, you know, I haven't thought about it enough to go to the mat on that. It could be implications. I'm not, I'm not thinking of.
0: Mm-hmm. Jordan, do
2: you want to, you want to yeah. weigh in on it? Or?
0: So here's an opinion. <laughs>
2: yeah. It's that's purely that's an opinion. Got.
0: But my question would, would be to Christians who are trying to decide this. Um, as, as I am, what actually changes people's minds? And if I thought that writing a letter to the editor would change someone's mind about happy holidays versus Merry Christmas, if I thought that it was something that would would capture someone's, um, heart. I think that would be a great way to spend your time. I personally, and possibly it's a generation difference. I don't think that that line of argumentation generally works to change someone's or soften someone's heart toward Christ. Um, which would be my ultimate goal is to, is to show people the, the real meaning of something one of the things that is uh, is a helpful historical story for me is mm-hmm. the story of Boniface. Do you know um, Boniface, the Germanic monk? A little bit. A little bit. Say more. Say more. So here is one of my favorite stories. So first of all, Boniface was a monk that was coming up from Rome. And um, this was at a time when the church, this is pre-schism. So the church was um, pretty unified at the time. And he was on mission to go up and be a missionary to the northern Germanic tribes. And this wasn't at a time when we could call Germany a country by any stretch of the imagination. This is a group of very violent people who were mostly worshiping Thor, Thor, the god of lightning. And um, one of the ways that they would worship Thor would be a little bit of a content warning. They would place a child in a tree, usually a very large tree. They would sacrifice a child and place them in the tree to appease Thor. Very similar to a kind of baal worship. You can kind of you can kind of copy and paste that mm-hmm. demonic activity, very, very mm-hmm. similar. So when Boniface came up to this place and he looked around and saw what was going on, there's a story that he had, he had come and he had understood what was about to happen. And as this procession, as the sacred ritual to the god Thor was about to take place, he brought a giant axe and he came and just started wailing at the base of this tree. And it was a massive tree but somehow he was able to cut it down very quickly there are lots of different stories about how he did that but he was able to cut it down very quickly and in that moment he looked at this stunned tribe and said this is no god and gave them the message of christianity that no 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 our god doesn't want your sacrifices in a tree he died on a tree to save you and as he gave this message people thought oh wow that makes sense so it's kind of a pattern that repeats through history that a missionary will come and and pivot something in a culture to reveal no no you think you're worshiping this almighty God but no you're not and I'll point you to the one who is
1: yeah, there, there's research on this. they're called redemptive analogies and they've been yeah. found in cultures throughout the world
0: mm-hmm. and they're, mm-hmm. they're fascinating it's a great line yes, of thought yes. to, yeah, to go absolutely. down so this particular one was Boniface chopping down this tree so you know you sometimes get people saying oh the Christmas tree it's this pagan ritual but no it actually was these different Germanic tribes taking an ax to a tree and saying this, we use to celebrate the birth of Christ and to remind us of the tree that he died on.
2: Oh my. So Hmm. I did not know that. I didn't know that either. Mm -mm. It's good stuff. So they're
0: cutting off the life source of the tree and saying there's someone more powerful. And I like it. So all that to say, In culture, we have to take these things that we're given, these kind of ingredients, and Western democracy has all sorts of very Christian ingredients, and mostly because it has a Christian background. I mean, we can can see how we've talked before on this podcast about how Christianity has informed the very fabric of Western life. So every generation's job is to look at Look at what the culture is doing and say, huh, are there parts of this that can be redeemed?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, for me, maybe it would say, it would be saying to someone, like, Oh, what holidays are you celebrating? And, you know, if they say, like, oh, well, just kind of Christmas and New Year's and Thanksgiving, I don't know, just some holidays. It's like, oh, you know, our family celebrates Advent or our family celebrates for 12 days, or, you know, you can talk about those different things and get into a conversation person to person. And in my experience, that's where actual minds and hearts are changed in, in these moments. So looking for ways to, to take that conversation and move it a little bit into a a place that builds connection
1: is looking for those redemptive analogies in our culture around Christmas, which there's a lot because of the origin, um, which, which makes sense. I've been thinking about lights, Mm. which Mm -hmm. uh, is such a tradition to put up lights. Uh, My wife will be the first to say I'm not a very good partaker of that tradition, but uh, let's pass on that for a moment. But uh, (laughs) the fact is we do put up lights and why do we put up lights? I think there's a sense of, you know, it, it, references, light coming into the world in the incarnation. And 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 those are just interesting things to be able to well think about personally and also to engage in conversations about. And maybe even I could see a letter to the editor to reflect on all the things we do at Christmas, whether it's the tree or the lights, uh, you know, and we could think of a number of others to 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 say Whatever we call this, it really ultimately is in these symbols reflecting the core of this season, this Advent season, the coming Mm -hmm. of the Redeemer, right? Yes,
2: yeah, I like that approach. I think that's that's good. And thank you for letting me take us on this little uh side tour here. And I, I, Jordan, I know you had some other. Uh, questions that you wanted to raise, if you if you still do, I want to just make sure we honor some of the things you were thinking about.
0: Oh, thanks, JP.
2: I want to
1: get two books on the record before we move
2: on. Yes, do it. A book I read long ago,
1: so good, uh, called Peace Child by Don Richardson, a missionary in a, a uh, part of the world that was at that time unreached and discovered. Uh, there was a practice in the culture that was the gospel and was able to reach this group of people through that. So it's just a great story if somebody's interested. Uh, So we'll get that in the show notes. And the other is a friend of mine, a former colleague uh, wrote a book. He grew up in a tradition, a a Christian uh, denomination that did not celebrate the Christian calendar, including Advent and he discovered it in adulthood and really helped him in his worship of God as well as his ministry with others. And he wrote a book uh, that's really helpful if any of our listeners are interested in understanding the Christian year as uh, a, a a person who didn't grow up in a church or a denomination that did that. The book is by Bobby Gross, and the uh, title is Living the Christian Year. And uh, it's just very thoughtful and very Mm. helpful to come at what is this Advent season without all the baggage or language or other things that, that, you know, somebody who maybe grows up in it would bring, because it's just how you talk about it. He's somebody who came into this from the outside, quote unquote, and really helps the rest of us figure out, okay, what's this all about? So I want to put a little plug in for, for, for that Mm -hmm. as well as uh, Richardson's Peace Child. That's
2: good. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very helpful
0: and i may add add on to what i said as well which is i don't know the exact right way that a christian should respond but i know the wrong way and that would be to experience a great deal of fear and trepidation mm-hmm. and oh we're losing the culture and to respond out of a place of um scarcity and and panic that oh no god's not going to do what what I want him to do if, if our culture isn't going this direction. Um, I think that fear would make a person make poor decisions ah. and, and mm-hmm. not respond appropriately. Good point. So maybe coming at it with an informed curiosity, right? We know the story. We know how this ends, but we can still be curious about how other people are getting to the places they're getting to, um, And maybe throw in a little warmth there because, gosh, the season's just really hard for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And it might be a place where we can be be the light in the middle of a literally and figuratively dark season. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. And to tie it back into the season we're talking about, uh, that posture of scarcity and fear really is an anti-incarnational posture, right? It's as Mm -hmm. if God is not present and already among us working in redemptive ways.
2: Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The, uh, the, the plan, the messianic plan did not stop when Jesus ascended. It turns Mm -hmm. out he's, he's still ruling amidst his enemies and, and there's a great comfort in that.
2: Mm -hmm. You bet.
0: So is there a story that has been meaningful to you this Christmas time? or at Christmas time in the past.
1: What do you mean by story?
0: So that could be um, something like a Christmas carol or um, some of the different, you know, cultural stories we have the gift of the Magi, things like that, uh, that has been particularly meaningful to you. That is maybe adjacent to the Christian story, um, but not necessarily, you know, read from the book of Luke.
2: I have one from my childhood that's mm-hmm. a memory, and uh mm. you know my father died in sec- when I was in second grade, but I remember that at christmas time he would uh he would take me uh with my mom and we would uh, we would drive down to a uh, more poverty stricken part of Kansas City and we would uh he would give me. $20 bills or something. And I would walk up to a, a person on the street and say, Merry Christmas to you. And, mm. you know, I'd get back in the car and then we would do that for like four or five people uh, as a way of, of, of especially blessing them uh, in, in this time. And I'm not sure that's the best way to give to the poor, but that's not really the point back then Um he was trying to teach me something about the nature of the of the of Christmas as as a uh, the meaning of giving and uh, looking out and Christ giving to us and us mm. us giving to others and and I I actually would never have forgotten that uh, because I was a little afraid of these people because I was I was a little boy and they they looked different and uh but but yet. I I had the courage to step up and every single one of them were thanked me and were grateful to receive something and I wasn't concerned about what they spent it on if they went and got more booze I didn't even know how to think like that at that age but but the fundamental message that did come across to me is that there are needs and we have the privilege of 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 reaching out to try to meet those needs and christmas is that's kind of what christmas was is about and that was there was a, that was a great memory and, and story if you will
0: mm-hmm. uh,
2: early in my uh, development as a child mm. wow
0: mm.
1: so you said the uh the story of the magi uh, would be an example and uh and yeah that is a bit of a tradition in our house uh More so when our kids were here, they've now grown and left. We had the habit of when we set up our little nativity display, taking those three wise men, those three kings and putting them on the other side of the house (laughs) because they were from Iraq. And it took them a couple of years to get there historically.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And. It just gave us a chance to say, you know, this, this really happened in time and space. And here's the space and here's where they probably would have been when he's in this manger and started the journey, but certainly not right there kneeling when he's at the manger. uh, There were no automobiles or trains or planes to get them (laughs) there. And it just, again, reinforced the physicality and uh, reality in, in, in history of this event which I I so detest us losing and spiritualizing mm-hmm. it. I do not like a way in the manger. I can't sing it because there's the little Lord Jesus who wakes up and doesn't cry because he's not really human yeah. like us. Why didn't he cry? I don't know. I think he probably did because he probably wet his diaper too. But it's really mm-hmm. hard to think about that. It's yeah. harder to say that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we lose, I mean, we lose a lot by not thinking about his deity, but we lose as much by not thinking about his humanity because, as I think it was Anselm who argued, you need both. You need him to be fully God to be an adequate substitute, but fully human to be an equal substitute. Mm -hmm. And without both, you don't have a redeemer. That's Mm -hmm. very good. That's so good.
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So that was our Magi story that's a good story i love that it's a story in, in incarnated and in, enacted mm-hmm. each yes each year by where we put the magi mm-hmm.
0: cool. and if that's i remember great.
1: i move them closer a little bit every day but usually, <laughs> i usually forgot yeah
0: that's it yeah they might make quite a long journey in a week maybe you know a few days
1: yes yes exactly
0: that's funny i really like that all right question for you too. If you were to give the Christmas Eve message, what would you say to your congregation, so that the churches in which you currently worship?
2: I'm assuming that I'm using this opportunity to address believers and not use this as an occasion Mm -hmm. to speak to those people who come to church that aren't Christians. I I think what I might do would be to use the... The, the birth of Jesus as an occasion uh, to shed light on a Christian who takes his faith as a hobby, mm-hmm.
0: uh,
2: who, who does it uh, as a shoo-in on an already uh, defined life according to his own ambitions, but then he adds a little spice of Christianity onto it, but doesn't really change his own approach to life. And I think, I think we have too many people in our churches that are that are seeing their faith as a hobby that they they practice, but it's not the central thing in their lives. And I think that the by just focusing on the incarnation of of the second person of the Godhead, if this is if this story really happened it is a stupendous event. I mean, it's far more important than discovering, uh, Jonas Salk discovering the polio vaccine or, or, uh, other things as important as those were. This is a big deal. And the only appropriate response to it, given its magnitude, would be to make it the center of my pilgrimage. And, uh, It might not look like somebody else's pilgrimage doesn't mean I don't have a job selling insurance, but I want to try to subsume everything under this. And my main goal is to is to be faithful to the implications of this and not define my life independently of it and then try to find cracks to shoehorn it in Mm -hmm. while I keep my secular life. And Mm -hmm. I I, I might want to try to say something like that.
0: Mm.
1: Mm -hmm. Very good. Uh, Yeah, I've had a chance to do this, actually, to preach uh, um, a Christmas sermon. And uh, I ended up writing a lot of it up in a series of blog posts uh, about when Jesus came and moved into the neighborhood using the messages phrasing of, of John. Uh, but the thing that I focused on and would do again is the implications of For that fact of him becoming incarnate, taking on flesh. There are seven I went through. I won't, you know, talk about them all, but it 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 sanctifies the physical. It 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 helps move us as we reflect on it away from this Gnostic notion that matter is evil and all the really important stuff is the spiritual stuff. So it, it, it sanctifies one's work no matter what they do, not just quote unquote ministry roles, but being accountants and, and being um, fiber optic cable linemen or whatever it is. Uh, it values the, the body in our own growth and and formation as Christ followers. Uh, there's just so many implications that are important, I think, to draw out Because we as a people from the earliest days uh, have struggled with this idea that the physical world is just at least not quite as good as the spiritual realm. And maybe actually flat out evil and to be despised and to be ignored or escaped. And the incarnation says quite the opposite. The fact is God himself chose to enter this and live in it and say, it's a good thing to actually be here in this space mm-hmm. has implications on how we care for his creation is not just a disposable thing. That's irrelevant, but part of the good creation that he, he, uh, he, he blessed. I mean, there's so many implications mm-hmm. and those are the, those are the, the notes I'd want to hit. All right. it's good. Mm-hmm. Very good stuff.
0: Absolutely. So as we, as we close our time together, I wanted to say one of my favorite, just a little part of one of my favorite poems, and a lot of you know it as a song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. That's oh, one yeah. of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, I think it is easy. We are in a tumultuous time in world history, mm-hmm. and we are aware of it in a way that we've never been aware mm-hmm. of tumultuous times in world history before. So it seems that the message of peace on earth has a very uh, salient mm-hmm. quality to it this particular Christmas. And and it reminds me very much of those lines. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Mm. And a little later, then ring it out so loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. Oh, The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men.
2: Well, that's powerful. Mm-hmm.
0: And you know what, listeners, I know, and I can say for these um, two gentlemen as well, we really believe that. Mm-hmm. And as hard as it can be to to look around and to see the news right now, um, I invite you to, to really believe that this season. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. Good word. Thanks, gentlemen.
2: Good to be together. Great to be with you. Happy Advent and Merry Christmas.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. Happy Christmastide, Epiphany, the whole thing. That's you right. It's great. That's
2: right. God bless.
0: Yes, you too. Bye-bye, JP. Bye. Bye. Too. Bye-bye. That brings us to the end of this edition of the Thinking Christianly podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation in the pursuit of faith seeking understanding. Be sure to check out today's show notes at www.thinkingchristianly.org slash podcast where you can find more information and the resources we discussed. Finally, please do visit our sponsor, Global Scholars. Until next time, this is Jordan Plick, encouraging you to think Christianly.